Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and joining me for our episode on Psalm 23 is Reverend Dr. Kevin Adams. In this conversation about perhaps the most beloved psalm, we talk about God, the shepherd king. We talk about some of the ways Psalm 23 has been really meaningful in Kevin's ministry and caring for others and... You'll have to listen all the way to the end for this, but Kevin gives a special encouragement for us to consider in terms of how we might engage even more deeply with both Psalm 23 and all the Psalms. It's a wonderful conversation. I hope you enjoy it. To get us started, here's Kevin reading Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Kevin, welcome back to Curious Psalms. Well, Matt, it is a treat to always be with you in any situation or circumstance, but especially in this podcast, which I love. I'm an avid listener, by the way. I love all your guests and what they say. Well, I will confess that as we come to Psalm 23, there's a little bit of trepidation, at least for me, coming to what is, I think we can say, the most beloved psalm, or at least one that people are certainly most familiar with. And so to have a conversation around this and to do it justice feels uniquely challenging. But that's why I picked up, I feel like I must have, you know, like the bat phone or something. I have the Kevin Adams phone. And you pick that up, you send out the Kevin signal, and you say, we need you on Curious Psalms. <laughs> Well, I'm honored, Matt. I, I, to be picked to do Psalm 23, like you said, for sure, the mo- most beloved psalm, I think, and maybe yeah. one of the most beloved chapters in all of the Bible, really. Yeah. Uh, I will say one time uh, someone left a message on the church answering machine. This was a few years ago when that was still a thing. And I uh, said, you know, I've been to your church once and I'd like you to do my funeral. Will you call me? And I thought, that's so interesting. Of course, I'd call them. So I called them, and I met with this wonderful couple. She had cancer. They had lived together for 50 years in marriage and loved each other and adored each other. And I asked, well, what do you want to be part of your funeral? And she said, oh, you know, anything. And she had a bunch of, like, reminiscing and stuff. And I said, is there anything, gently as I could, Mm -hmm. is there anything from the Bible you would, like, included in your funeral or memorial service? Well, that hadn't really occurred to them yet. And so they thought about it for a while, and then one said to the other, "Isn't there something about sheep somewhere?" Or, <laughs> and I thought, "Oh, I love these people. I love these people. They're, the yes. Bible, the whole Bible, is fresh to them." And I quoted the first few couple verses yeah. of Psalm 23, and they said, "Yeah, that one. That's the one we want included." So of course, it was included. Isn't that beautiful? 
It is beautiful. The instinctive draw to this psalm is really fascinating right. as well. That That's something that you can spend a lot of time talking about. But we have our three questions, which are hopefully a helpful guide even to into the, one of the more beloved or the most beloved psalm. So maybe we can just start where we always start, Kevin, and see where our conversation takes us. I'm fascinated like reading this very familiar text. What stood out to you in reading Psalm 23? Right. I think you, you, you said it earlier, this psalm is so beloved and then you think, well, why is it so beloved? And part of it's a mystery beyond our understanding, right? God just speaks in ways mm. that are just beyond us. And what yeah. fascinates me endlessly about this psalm is its accessibility. If you are, yeah. I told a story earlier about this couple, and the psalm uh, was one of the few pieces of the Bible they could even, with some digging, evoke. And it had kind of grabbed them in a certain way. They had lived in San Francisco a long time. There was no sheep there was no shepherd in their life. <laughs> and it, it occurs to me that this psalm, the images are somehow timeless. They transcend circumstance. You can imagine someone mm. in the suburbs praying this psalm. You could imagine someone in a, a city like San Francisco, this couple I talked about praying a psalm. You could imagine someone in the country, of course, praying a psalm. You can imagine this psalm. It's accessible in a really kind of a remarkable way, I think. I think we talked before about Irenaeus, that disciple of Polycarp, who was a disciple of John, who was a disciple of Jesus. So kind of that generation. He said one time, the Bible is a bottomless lake, so shallow a new beginner Christian could explore its shoreline and its water, but so deep, the most profound and learned theologian will never get to the bottom of it. I think that is especially Mm. true in Psalm 23, right? A child, like you could imagine your man, Oliver, who's not yet one, being, I don't mm-hmm. know, two and a half, three years old and learning this psalm. And then you can imagine Oliver, though you would not want to, as an old man in his 90s, still getting riches out of the psalm. So it's accessible in a way that is profound and almost mystifying, but for sure a work of grace. That's one thing I would say about it. The other thing I'd say about it is its riches are so deep they they just layer every sentence is its own gold mine, right? I shall not uh-huh. be in want. Oh, you could live a long time just on that phrase. I've teased people before, before you go to a mall. Well, no one goes to a mall anymore right now. Before you go to Amazon <laughs> website, quote the psalm to yourself. I shall not be in want, right? What yeah. a deep, powerful thing. And then I'm going to lie down in green pastures in California that has special significance during the fire season. Right. And then he's going to lead me by quiet waters. He's going to restore my soul. You could imagine a monk thinking about uh, what does it mean to have your soul refreshed? And then on and on, and then walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I mean, oh yes. my, in this simplicity is uh-huh. this profound set of layers. And then we haven't even gotten yet to the table before me in the presence of my enemies. <laughs> so the, these things always strike me. I mean, they've, they strike you at the beginning of learning this psalm. I think I said one place it might still be on our website. The psalm is sort of the one plus one equals two part of mm-hmm. theology or spiritual formation, but they're also the deep calculus. It's surprisingly simple, but also deep at the same time, which the Bible is as a whole, but maybe it's all seen here in this psalm in a really kind of supernatural way. I love that. that that's really a beautiful connection both between both your points, I think both the idea that it's uniquely accessible and then it's unique depths and the way that those are the gift of the psalm really aren't they right i think i'm just layering on top of what you're saying i was 
thinking back to my conversation on Psalm 22 with Libby. Which was masterful, by the way. Yeah, shout out. Any mastery credit certainly goes to the guests, that's for sure. A huge thanks to Libby for helping us explore that a psalm. But I'm struck by the difference between Psalm 22 and Psalm 23. Psalm 22 that begins with, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in its journey concludes with this kind of almost cosmic, incredible, like the scope is so massive. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will right. bow down before him. Right. It's in verse 27. And then if you're just reading through the Psalms, you turn to Psalm 23 and the Lord is my shepherd. It's this deeply intimate, quiet, very zoomed in, very personal I think you've pointed this out to us in previous Psalms. The Lord here, that, that's the covenant name of God. It's not just a master relationship, right? This is someone who is who has given their name. There's an intimacy. And then even verse 5 moves from a, a shepherd-sheep metaphorical relationship to a friend, to someone who is helping you celebrate and who is providing abundance. There's a hosting and a hospitality that's an almost more intimate relationship even than verse one. And so I was just really struck by that shift. Sometimes I think the, the ways that the Psalter walks us through the different aspects of our faith is fascinating. And I, I particularly, coming off Psalm 22, just find, find Psalm 23 such, such an interesting zoom in on the intimacy of our relationship with God. Oh, I love it, Matt. I love it. And you do wonder... You know, you're putting these podcasts together. You wonder if you had been given these 150 psalms, what order you would put them in. That would be fascinating to me. What would Matt Timms do if he were editor of the Psalter? There's a, there's a thought you can take home, right? And I thought, well, what's behind? The, so it's not just that the words are inspired, but the order is somehow inspired as well. And that's just, like you said, it's just, yeah. you know, you go from Psalm 1, which is the gateway into the two ways of living and delighting in God or not. You end with praise, and along the way, there's a lot of conversation and a lot of heartache and lament. <laughs> and here is this gem, right, at this particular time. Some people think it's part of a whole series of psalms that kind of like there's a number of collections within the collections, you know. There's these kingly psalms at the end of the 90s, beginning in like Psalm 93 to 99 are all about God the King. There's the psalms of ascent, you know, 120 to 134. Some people think these psalms here are packaged together, so Psalm 23 would be packaged with Psalm 16, and they have some themes mm. together. So there's just so much to explore. We can go into all that editing, but there's probably enough in the psalm itself to keep us busy for a little <laughs> is. while, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, We could certainly talk about this first question. I mean, I was struck. I When I think about the psalms, I think about Psalm 23, of course, which means I think about this shepherd imagery. Right. But fascinatingly, this is the first time in the Psalms that shepherd has come up as a metaphor or even as a word. I think in previous conversations, you and I, we've seen really consistently God as king or God right. as rock. But here for the first time, and it's going to come up other times in the Psalms as we'll kind of journey through some right. other ones. But this is the first time. And I'm just like, wow, huh. I would have thought it was just everywhere. It's interesting how this... Psalm 23 becomes a kind of lens or kind of glasses through which we see yes. the whole Psalter. But but yeah. you're onto it, I think, in the sense that this this image is one of the main images of an Israelite king or a covenant king. So it's not like a shepherd mm -hmm. is separate from a king. A shepherd is one way or maybe even the way of being a king. Mm -hmm. So Jesus will say, you know, you, your rulers, your leaders should not be like the pagan leaders who lord it over and who do this and who do that and kind of 
leverage yeah. things for the, their own advantages. Well, that was supposed to reflect the covenant king, which you see throughout the Old Testament, especially in Psalm 23. The Israelite kings, when they were on their game, they, they kept to this vision of being a shepherd king who really watches out for everyone in the kingdom. And mm. that's really true of Psalm 23. We see God, I mean, one of the things we learn about God is he is the, the king, but he's a shepherd kind of king. And then all these layers are part of how he rules us or guides us or administers his kingdom. And it's really, those are mm. striking qualities about God one after another, who is the king and who is the shepherd. And yeah. it's quite lovely. That's a wonderful segue into our second question, Kevin. What, what do we learn about God from this psalm? Well, that was a big thing of what I wanted to say, I think, is that God is the shepherd and he is the yeah. king. There's this idea that came from the early church that every Christian, every follower of Jesus is anointed. We are all little Christians, little mm -hmm. Christs in a sense. We are also anointed and we're anointed in three ways. We're anointed to be kings, we're anointed to be prophets, and we're anointed to be priests. And each have their own layers to mm -hmm. that. I think part of what those early Christians were thinking is we're called to reflect God, the king, who shepherds us. You get the sense if there was this kingdom, if this kingdom where you would have someone prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies, you think that's that's who I'd like to be part of. And you, you raised earlier this idea of covenant relationship. There is covenant everywhere. Mm. So there's the yes. Lord is my shepherd. That's covenant speak for how... This relationship works rather than a power top-down thing. We're going to be shepherded. It ends with, I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, which is more covenant yes. richness. This is a promise we can take to the bank, which is mm. a beautiful thing. So we learn that God is the covenant shepherd, the covenant king, who's not only going to take care of us, he's going to prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He's going to anoint our head with oil, and we're going to have a cup kind of a life that overflows and yeah. whether someone is sick or whether they're ill or whether they're a new Christian or whether they're a frustrated Christian, all of that is inviting us back into a, or to a relationship with God, which is quite life-giving. Hey, That's a really good word for it. This psalm really is full of life. It's overflowing with life, isn't it? Just to add to that, I'm struck by verse four, this language of, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod right. and your staff, they comfort me. And to maybe zoom out a little bit, just this idea that the power of God and even the correction of God are sources of comfort for the one with whom God has covenanted, right? Thinking about kind of the rod and the staff and the metaphor here, the person as God walks with them, the, the vision is of God sort of driving off enemies, right? There's a protection. Right. But there's also right. a sense, if you think of the sheep, they're being nudged along. That's even in verse right. 3, guides me along the right paths. And the fact that uh, the psalmist has no concept that the power of God here or the correction of God is paternalistic or terrifying or scary. It's, this, this is the very thing that I can rest in, that you have these. I think we find it very easy to fall into a cartoonish version of God who's vindictive or waiting for us to mess up, or right. his correction is a, is a very hard slap on the wrist. And just even verse four, in the context of evil, that these are actually, these are sources of hope and these are sources of comfort for us. I find that really compelling. That's, that's so wonderfully said, Matt. So wonderfully said. I don't know about you, but uh, I know about me and I know about a lot of people I know and they aren't, aren't really thrilled with correction. 
you know, um, yes. <laughs> in, in theory, we're like, oh, yes, 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 I want to go the right way. Oh, yes, 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 I want to become a better version yeah. of myself. Oh, yes, 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 I want to be the person my dog thinks I am. Yes, I'd like to be that person. <laughs> but you don't, it's, it's another thing to wisely seek correction and to be open to yeah. it. But I loved what you said about God saying, hey, I'm shepherding you. I'm your king. I'm, I'm leading you. But part of how I'm leading you are with these tools that uh, nudge, I like that, the rod and staff weren't to beat up sheep, but they were to nudge us right. and to rescue us and to take care of us, but to make sure we're going down the direction we're supposed to be going as well. Yeah. Yeah. Let's turn to our third question, because this psalm, I think we can say, we've called it the most beloved. My guess would be it is also the most prayed psalm. Right. <laughs> so I'm really curious about kind of your, any reflections you might have on our third question. How does this psalm help us to pray? Yeah, it's such a wonderful question each each week. And with this psalm, we can only get to the beginning because there's so many things yes. here. I think this is one of those psalms. I use the image of your son, Oliver, and teaching this to him or mm. to, to delight in this when he was a little person. I think it's the kind of psalm, it, well, I know it is, that we can pray all our lives because of its simplicity yes. and because of its depth to learn this psalm is to learn one of the basic fundamentals of spiritual formation. So if you think, if someone came to you and said, what should I learn to be a practicing Christian based on the history of the church, based on everything you know about the Bible? And you'd probably quickly go to the Apostles' Creed as a summary of biblical ideas. You'd probably quickly teach them the Lord's Prayer, uh, as Jesus' followers have prayed in so many ways and places. And you probably go to the psalm as one of the top three or four things you could memorize and take with you. And, and you know, you can hear stories of people who are POWs in camps. And, what, well, how did you survive? Well, we would tap out Bible verses to each other through our walls. And this is the kind of thing where you, would, you can carry it with you your whole life. Even, I mean, you can imagine yourself at a funeral or the bedside of someone who's wrestling with cancer. And you don't understand. And sometimes we never understand what's going on. But this is the kind of psalm, maybe the psalm, that you can pray in all those circumstances. And it's never trite. Yeah. It's never cliche. It's never, well, unless someone does terrible damage to it, but it's it's never predictable. <laughs> right. It's always taking us deeper and leading us deeper into this shepherding relationship, covenant relationship with God. It's quite beautiful. So, so really, that's kind of, I think, the whole is way in. Maybe just to highlight yeah. again, I think a person could spend, you know, a week or a month or a year or longer meditating on each of the sentences, each of the verbs. You know, you could spend, you could say for 2021, I just want to memorize this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Okay. Mm. Or I lack nothing, some versions have. Okay. You, you, yeah. you could keep busy with that for a very long time. And okay. uh, you could pray that and meditate the, on that. So Psalm 1 says, on your law, I haga, I meditate, I wrestle, I gnaw day and night. This is something that you could wake up in the morning and bring to mind. This is something at uh, terrible circumstances you could bring to mind. It's a, it's a gift for every step of the journey, even the end. So many yeah. times I've prayed this psalm with people who are at the end or who are about to pass. And each time it has yes. its own beauty and richness, right? I remember, Kevin, just speaking to that and speaking to... When you said it's never cliche, I was thinking about a time you and I visited a family who had just lost kind of the patriarch of the family had passed away and we go in and we sit down and there's this kind of beautiful time of storytelling. But I just remember 
you you saying, well, maybe we can all stand together and in a circle and hold hands and we'll just say Psalm 23 together. And it's one of those things that sort of the almost the cerebral is like, well, of course you would do that. And then you wonder, is it sort of too obvious? Sure. And then you start doing it and you realize, no, it's obvious for a reason. Right. It's obvious because it's a bomb of a psalm, if you'll pardon the rhyme. Just the ways that it meets us. It's, yeah, never cliche. When you said that, I was just thinking back to that experience being with you in the context where you led us in this, the gift that it is, that it really does kind of the Spirit's work, I think, in these contexts is a beautiful thing. Well, thanks for that story, Matt. I think I think that's exactly right, obviously. And when I mentor seminary students, I encourage them to say, you know, the Eastern Orthodox Church from the early ages says you are not fit for ministry until you'd memorized all the Psalms. So that's kind of throwing down the gauntlet a little, <laughs> a little strongly. But if, if we're not going to do that, we should at least maybe memorize five to ten. And uh, then I encourage people to make their list. This is on everyone's list. And partly because of the story yeah. you just told, you can imagine a grandson leaving or a cousin leaving that meeting. Mm. And now they're in some ways not only prepared for this grief, but they're prepared for their own grief uh, that will come and their own death. They too can be led through the valley of the shadow of death and they don't need to fear. It's quite, quite mm-hmm. remarkable, huh? Yeah. Well, Kevin, before we close, I don't know that we've even scratched the surface. We've sort of looked looked <laughs> at the surface from a distance, maybe. <laughs> right. But is there anything else, any kind of closing thoughts that you have about the psalm? Well, there are a few closing thoughts, but let me just highlight one. Several years ago, maybe 15 now, we had a a conversation as a church, as a congregation. What would it be like if we all tried to memorize parts of the Bible together? And I remember thinking Mm. in the beginning of that conversation, I feel like a lousy memorizer. And the other folks mm-hmm. right away admitted there it's one way people started confessing their own lack of memorizing <laughs> ability. So right away, half to two-thirds of the congregation say, I can't memorize, I stink at memorizing, don't make me memorize, don't even talk about it in church. And I said, yeah, 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 I'm with you. Let's not memorize together. So let's not memorize Psalm 23. Let's not memorize it by saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I, and I left, and everybody, every, literally everybody said, I shall not want the King James Version. And I thought, we we yeah. can memorize. This is amazing. And part of the beauty of the Psalter is they were made to be memorized. They were made to be taken in. So you don't just read them, but you carry them in your heart and you carry them inside. Uh, and I just think that's such a beautiful gift that we can give. It's it's a gift we often neglect in a Google world where we can get answers, you know, at the flick of a couple uh, mm. buttons. That's one thing, but to carry something inside and let it layer onto you, your faith, your love, your hope in the one who is worthy of all that, that, that would be my encouragement for all of us who stink at memorizing to memorize this and then, yeah. and then just see where the journey goes, you know? Well, Kevin, I think that encouragement is a good place to land our conversation. We always end with a verse from the Psalms and we're gonna do the same in this episode, but can you imagine just having this verse inside your heart, to have this verse that you carry with you? Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Friends, go out, memorize, and pray the Psalms. (music) 